We've got some breaking news this morning. According to MSNBC, a new far-right behavior has just dropped. And that behavior is exercise. MSNBC writes, quote, the far-right's obsession with fitness is going digital. The libs had already warned us about certain other behaviors that are markers of far-white, far-right, white supremacist, neo-Nazi extremism. Behaviors such as um, working hard, uh, being on time, and speaking English. When the libs announced those three indicators of far-right behavior, I have got to admit, I got a little bit worried. Now, however, I feel much better. I am in no danger of radicalization or far-right extremism because if working out is right-wing, baby, I am a regular Bernie Sanders. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by GenuCell Skincare. Get your GenuCell Summer Essentials Package right now for over 70% off, 70% off, GenuCell.com slash Knowles. Budweiser doing their best to dig themselves out of that hole, partnering with Ken Griffey Jr. Kind of a deep cut, a little bit of a throwback, but okay, we'll get to that in just a second. First though, boy, I dodged a bullet, didn't I? I was clearly on the path of far-right extremism. You know, I was showing up to work on time. I was, uh, I don't I made the okay symbol every now and again. Someone says, hey, Michael, does this such and such sound good to you? I say, okay, that's fine. Oh, that's a symbol of far-right white supremacist neo-Nazi extremism. So I was nervous. I was going down that path. But then I found out that a key component of being right-wing is exercising and, and treating your body well. And I obviously don't do that. So I think we're good. I think I'm back to being a centrist now. Why are the libs saying that working out is right-wing, far-right, extremist. Because the left is waging an all-out war on normality. That's why. That's what it's all about. And that's why if you think that this MSNBC headline is crazy, just wait. The hits are going to keep on coming. It's always about attacks on normality because leftism is an attack on justice. What is justice? Justice is rendering to each and to all what he deserves. Uh, Religion is a habit of virtue that inclines the will to render to God what he deserves. Justice applies this principle to everybody, and leftism is all about upending that normal order of things. Giving to people what they do not deserve, taking from people what they do deserve, obviously ignoring religion, ignoring the moral order, and making the entire world about the self and the satisfaction not of the higher will, but of base appetites. In this case, literally the basest appetites. In this case, just stuffing yourself and becoming a big slob. That's what it's after. That's why they attack beauty. That's why they attack truth. That's why they attack goodness. They are attacking justice broadly. And I don't want to seem like I'm being too harsh on the libs here or I'm being hyperbolic or or not giving them their due, that I'm being unjust or something like that. They're doing this because they don't believe in objective truth. They don't believe in the moral order that says that there's good and there's evil. And they, they believe that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. They don't think that there are any objective standards to beauty. And so everything just becomes about me, 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 me. And when everything is about me, 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 then you can't tell someone that they've got to put the cupcake down and that they've got to go maybe take a walk and have some fresh air. You, you can't do that because that would be to impose some external condition on somebody that they do not 
accept. So you're not going to just see a neglect of these objective standards. You're going to see an active undoing of them. This is why you saw in the Netherlands the the, uh, recent Miss Netherlands crown, tiara, going to a dude. We're not really allowed to talk about transgenderism on YouTube right now. YouTube is really against us talking about this important social issue. So if you want to hear my commentary on those things, you got to listen on the RSS feed or watch at Daily Wire Plus or head on over to Twitter at the M. Knowles Show Twitter account. Uh, Or you can stick around because later on for today's member block, it will be Trans Tuesday. So we'll get into transgender issues that we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube. The Netherlands has just crowned some dude as Miss Netherlands. And what's particularly offensive about this is that the runner-up is an extremely beautiful woman. I don't know any of their names. I don't really care. I especially don't care to know the guy's name. But you look at the guy, and he looks like a troubled man. And you look at the runner-up woman, and she looks extremely beautiful. Just checks every box, really, really beautiful woman. So they have to give her number two. And they have to give the dude who looks like a very troubled man, not not a very pretty man, they've got to give him number one. And it's, by the way, it's just as important that she's number two as it is that he's number one. He is number one so that they can plant their stake and say, we embrace transgenderism and that's totally real and we totally believe in it. But she's got to be number two to put her and her as a representative of traditional beauty standards in the backseat. It is just as important to humiliate her and and traditional beauty standards as it is to exalt this guy. Of course, that's the way it goes. So what happens as these ideologies permeate society? Well, a bunch of people, especially young people, start to believe in them. There's a study just came out of Brown University. Brown is infamously one of the most left-wing schools in the country. Brown now hosts 38% of students who do not identify as straight. It's according to the Brown Daily Herald, Rhode Island-based university newspaper. LGBTQ plus student self-identification has doubled since 2010, as shown in the semesterly survey. So 38% of students say, I am not straight. Within that group, 22.9% report being gay or lesbian, while 53.7% describe themselves as bisexual. Uh, The big headline for Brown here is that Brown has finally beaten Yale at something. Yale, they famously say one in four, maybe more. Might be a little bit light in the loafers. Although I guess actually technically they didn't beat Yale here because it's it's 38% who say they're not straight, but it's it's only a little under a quarter of that say they're actually gay or lesbian. And then over 50% of that say they're bisexual, which is almost certainly fake, right? It's just, it's an incentive that has been created culturally for students to not be the normal thing because normal is bad in our liberal culture. I actually knew a guy, knew a guy in college. Yale is a a rather eccentric place when it comes to sex. And I knew this guy who was one of the relatively few just straight guys. He was just a guy who dated girls and, you know, there weren't all that many of us <laughs> at Yale. So, you know, we, we kind of were aware of each other. And, but then one time I, I saw him give an interview and he described himself as not heterosexual. And I thought, man, what the hell are you talking about? You're one of the few straight guys at this, act, at this university among the whole student body. Why are you describing yourself as not heterosexual with this vague kind of meaningless description? I thought, oh, because the culture now 
incentivizes you not to be straight. Just as previously the culture incentivized homosexuals to pretend to be heterosexual, so now the culture incentivizes people who have generally normal sexual desires to pretend to have more deviant or eccentric sexual desires. The libs have to explain this. The libs have to explain how the number of self-identified queer people can double in 10 years. How the number can just keep, and when you get to the transgender issue, how that number can can double or triple within just a few years. What is that? Are people born this way? Because the argument that the libs make against our rules proscribing gay porn in elementary schools, proscribing guidance counselors trying to trans the kids, proscribing the pride parades in the middle of the street, their argument against our banning of those things is, hey guys, come on, you're born that way. You you can't actually make someone turn gay. You can't actually make someone turn trans. It's just part of your nature and how you're born. Okay, well, if that's the case, then how come the numbers keep doubling? The only explanation for that is either there's stuff in the water turning the frickin' frogs gay, or there's a social acculturated contagion aspect to this. Well, if it's the latter, then conservatives are perfectly rational to try to proscribe these things. If it's the former, then what's going on in biology? They can't explain any of that. They just keep moving the goalposts because the The goal is not merely to allow certain people who are born with these innate and, you know, deeply felt desires to finally express themselves and to not be so oppressed as they have been in the past. The goal is to attack normality. The goal is to attack the standard itself. That's why the the dude has to win the women's beauty pageant. Even though not one single person on earth thinks he's prettier than the beautiful woman who is the runner-up. They have to attack the standard of normality, which means attacking normality for everybody. Which means when they march through the streets of New York City chanting, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your kids, they mean it. They mean it. And the conservatives who saw that coming from the beginning were right all along. Gotta pray for our country, don't we? Well, you wanna pray, you might wanna check out Hallow. Right now, go to hallow.com slash Knowles. It is clear that the left is giving up their morals and any common sense. There's no better time to build a daily habit of prayer and meditation. Building a habit of prayer can help you cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Focusing on what you are thankful for can increase positive emotions and improve overall well-being. Hallow is the number one Christian prayer app in the United States. It's helped lots of people maintain a daily prayer routine. It can help you too. Download the app for free at hallow.com slash Knowles. You can set prayer reminders and track your progress along the way. Not sure where to start? Check out Father Mike Schmitz's Bible in a Year, one of the only podcasts I listen to, magnificent podcast, available on the Hallow app for brief daily readings and reflections, or pray alongside Mark Wahlberg, Jim Caviezel, and even some world-class athletes. With Hallow, you can customize a personal prayer plan that works for you. Listen wherever you are with downloadable offline sessions. Using Hallow to connect with others who share your beliefs and values can provide a sense of belonging, support, and foster a sense of community. Ultimately, we learn how to become better individuals in spite of today's broken world and strive to become more like Christ in our daily lives. Download Hallow at Hallow.com slash Knowles. Get an exclusive three months free. Three months absolutely free. Hallow.com slash Knowles. Speaking of transing the kids, new NIH study proving that we are totally right. As per usual, do I have the study? Well, I've got the quote from the study here. The NIH is funding research on the effects of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormone treatment on the youths, despite acknowledgement from this grantee 
that these medical interventions can sterilize kids. So NIH conducting this study through the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, CHLA. Study is titled Pubertal Blockers for Minors in Early Adolescence. And this consent form says, if your child starts puberty blockers in the earliest stages of puberty and then goes on to gender-affirming hormones, they will not develop sperm or eggs. This means that they will not be able to have biological children. So spelled out plain in black and white, this is going to sterilize your kids. They go on to say, this is an important aspect of blocking puberty and progressing to hormones that you should understand prior to moving forward with puberty suspension. Now, they'll say, okay, if you don't, if you don't start taking the hormones afterward, then the puberty blockers are probably not going to make you sterile. But what they don't tell you is that 98% of children, 9-8, virtually all of them who start taking puberty blockers will move on to cross-sex hormones and therefore will have this major likelihood of becoming sterile. So what we're talking about here is not just unethical treatment, not just unethical medical services being provided by quack doctors to lunatic parents. What we're talking here is about unethical research. This is research being conducted at your taxpayer expense by the NIH through the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles that is turning little kids into eunuchs, obviously without their consent, obviously opposed to their good outcomes and human flourishing. We are paying right now to very deeply, very deeply harm little kids, which is why we need to revive a concept that people understood until about five minutes ago, which is bioethics. It's the Jurassic Park concept. We spent so much time wondering if we could. We never thought about whether or not we should. Should we? Should we do these things? Yeah, it's pretty amazing that with modern medical technology, we can make little boys look more like little girls than we ever could before. Should we do that? Is that a thing we should do? Why are we doing that? Why? What is, what is the anthropology that we're basing this view on? Is that anthropology true? Is that anthropology false? What, do we, is it a good idea to, to do this to like eight-year-olds? Do we, th- are we, do we screen the parents at all here? Do we have limits on what can be done? Why are taxpayers paying for this thing? Why is this being permitted at all? We need to revive this idea of bioethics. You saw, the last time you really saw a big bioethical debate was in the early 2000s, and it concerned cloning. When cloning technology had advanced, for the first time uh, in quite a while, you had a major national-level bioethical debate. George Bush created the President's Council on Bioethical Inquiry, headed up by Leon Cass, a great humanist philosopher, uh, but a humanist in the best sense of that word. You know, he's a very serious thinker. And they said, no, look, maybe we can clone people, but we probably shouldn't be able to do that. You saw debates over designer babies. Well, designer babies have become a reality now, and we've totally thrown that bioethical debate out the window. The people want there to be a bioethical debate. You're seeing this in the popular revulsion against surrogacy, against in vitro fertilization, against same-sex adoption, against against birth control even, against contraception, which we saw yesterday being reported on in the liberal press, to the great consternation of the liberal press that conservative women are pushing back against birth control, against all these sorts of things. Now, obviously, you're seeing this big debate over transing the kids. Have to revive bioethics, which means you have to revive ethics, which means you have to revive a moral standard, which means you've got to stop the wars, the left's war on 
the objective moral order. And you've got to say, no, certain things are true, certain things are false. We're going to treat true and false things differently, which means the liberals got to go away and the libertarians need to take a back seat. <laughs> the, the kind of weak, squishy libertarians of the last 20 years who throw up their hands in a sort of radical skepticism and say, we can't really know who's good, who defines what's good, who defines what's true, who defines what's false. Uh, it's either us or the libs. That's who's going to define it. Now, speaking of the libs and speaking of ethics, there's a big report out from Axios which is that Joe Biden yells at his staff. Headline, old yeller, Biden's private fury. In public, President Biden likes to whisper to make a point. In private, he's prone to yelling. Apparently, his admonitions include, quote, GD it. How the F don't you know this? Don't F and BS me. Get the F out of here, according to current and former Biden aides who have witnessed and been on the receiving end of such outbursts. Go on. It goes on to list all the mean things that, that Biden does to his staff and how much he's yelling at them. Okay. The way that this is being reported is as though this is a leak from the White House that's embarrassing to Joe Biden. And conservatives are taking that bait and they're saying, see this man, he's angry. He's, he's a loose cannon. We need to rein him in. We need to get rid of this guy. He's just too vigorous and, and aggressive. I'm sorry to see conservatives taking this bait. This story is an obvious strategic leak by the pro-Biden forces. This is pro- was probably leaked by the Biden campaign. And the reason they leaked it is at a shallow level, it makes him look bad because he's yelling at his staff. But at a deeper level, it makes him look good because it counters the narrative that we all see with our own eyes, which is that Joe Biden is a vegetable. The, the bigger knock on Biden is not that he gets angry and fired up. The big knock on Biden is he doesn't know what day it is. He, he has absolutely no energies wandering around like a zombie. And he couldn't possibly muster the, the vigor to, to yell at his staff. So they're countering that with an ostensibly negative story. But really, it's not that negative. We, we kind of like it when executives get fired up when they get a little bit angry, when they're tough on their staff, it means they're focused. It means their nose is in the details. It means they want to get something done. This is, this is exactly the kind of image that Biden's campaign wants to paint about him. And so what happens? They get these secret leaks from sources close to Joe Biden, just coincidentally right now while his campaign is flailing, and they give it to an outlet that is obviously very open to the left wing, Axios. What they've done here, it's basically just the old Ronald Reagan mastermind sketch from Saturday Night Live. All I can say is I didn't know. And well, we're trying to find out what happened because none of us know. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. President. Well, I hope I've answered your questions as best I could, given the very little that I know. <laughs> Goodbye and God bless you. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you very much. Okay, get back in here. All right, let's get down to business. I'm only going to go through this once, so it's essential that you pay attention. One, Casey. Yes, sir. You'll spearhead our new operation to fund the Contras. Back to work! Come on! Afghanistan needs more money. We've got 65.2 million tucked away in Zurich. Now, if we hold it there for another 30 days at 7.28% interest, that's roughly $400,000. And eighty-five. I know, don't waste my time. So this is one of the greatest sketches in the history of SNL. Highly recommend you go back and watch the whole thing. But this is just what the Biden people are trying to play him off as right now. 
The knock on Reagan was, well, he wasn't paying attention to detail, and <laughs> he just wanted to be an actor and say nice lines. And so the joke right, is that actually, secretly, he's, he's the mastermind running the Iran-Contra scandal. That's, that's exactly what they're doing here. Even this line that they're attributing to Joe Biden, uh, how the F don't you know this, don't effing BS me. The premise there is that Biden knows exactly what's going on, so he can sniff out the BS. How do you not know this, but I presumably know this, or I at least know what you don't know. And it's just the sketch, and it's not true. I, I am less inclined to believe that Joe Biden yells at his staff today, seeing this leak, than I was previously. They're trying to counteract a much more damaging and I think much truer narrative. Homeboy is a vegetable. Now, when you want to look at least smooth and vivacious as a vegetable, you're going to want to take care of your looks. You want to take care of your skin. You're going to want to check out GenuCell. Right now, go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles. Our friends over at GenuCell sold out of their dark spot corrector and our listeners have been begging, begging on hands and knees for a restock. Well, I got great news. Just in time for the summer, back in stock. GenuCell's famous dark spot corrector has not one but three cutting edge ingredients and goes to work fast to target sunspots, dark spots, liver spots, and even old discoloration both on your face and your hands. You can now enjoy your summer sun, beach, and barbecues without embarrassing spots. GenuCell's most popular package also features their summer essentials, such as the best-selling ultra retinol moisturizer with a powerful retinol alternative for safe use in the sun. You will be amazed at how quickly you will see results or 100% of your money back guaranteed. I love these guys, especially the owner who's a Coptic Christian who left Egypt for the American dream. Head on over to GenuCell.com slash Knowles right now. Get your dark spot corrector in the GenuCell most popular package. GenuCell.com slash Knowles. Save over 70, 70% off GenuCell's most popular package. All orders will include a mystery luxury gift while supplies last. GenuCell.com slash Knowles. The greatest interview show on YouTube. Many people are talking about it, yes or no. It's back with an all new episode discussing the most talked about movie in America, Sound of Freedom. Movie star Jim Caviezel and American hero Tim Ballard join for Tough Questions and Stiff Drinks. Check out this teaser. It's just a coincidence that many elites in Hollywood and big tech are also some of the harshest critics of the Sound of Freedom movie. Does Michael think it's a coincidence? I'm mean, just thinking about it for a second. I don't think he thinks it's a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> don't give me the answer. <laughs> it's cheating. It's cheating. I, I want the judges to note that. Here's some more good news. The yes or no game, the physical game, is now back. And rather than giving Jeff Bezos more money on Prime Day, you ought to give it to Jeremy instead and get five bucks off when you order yes or no. Go to dailywire.com shop to get your game today. That's dailywire.com shop to get five dollars off your order of the yes or no game. Hurry before this deal ends. Joe Biden fading fast. He's got no answer on the age question, which was softball pitched to him by Fareed Zakaria on CNN. You've often said when people ask you about your uh, age, uh, just watch me. And I think a lot of people do watch you and are impressed. And they think you've been a great president. Uh, you've brought the economy back. Uh, you've restored relations with the world. But many of these people do say, and these are ardent supporters of yours, the next thing he should do is 
step aside and let an, another generation of Democrats take the baton. Why are they wrong? Uh, well, let me say, not right or wrong. Uh, it's, uh, look, to use the phrase again, I think we're at an inflection point. I think the world is changing, and I think I, uh, there is one thing that comes with age, if you've been honest about it your whole life, and that is some wisdom. I think we're on the cusp of being able to make significant positive changes in the world. This is going to be an unpopular take. I hate to say it pains me that I have to say it. I basically agree with Joe Biden here. I agree with him in principle because he's articulating a principle that conservatives have always known to be true going all the way back to old uncle Aristotle, which is that with age comes wisdom. I know there are, there are some people on the right who are a little bit more libertarian-minded who insist, we need young people to run the country. We don't want, need those old fogies to run the country. We got to be super young. That's what's really important. I don't buy that at all. Aristotle writes in his politics that you want the old, the older people generally to rule, and you want the younger people generally to be the active, productive ones who are learning the ropes and who are growing in wisdom. And then one day when they get older, they will rule. Uh, this is why I thought the attacks on Dianne Feinstein were so ridiculous. Dianne Feinstein is a very aged senator. That's true. Senatrix, I guess. She's a lady senator. And she, what is she? She's 90 years old or something right now. She's obviously got some health problems. That's true. But people are making fun of her for being old. I thought, first of all, I'm glad that she's not quite so effective anymore because it means that you don't have a younger, more vigorous, more radical Democrat in that seat from California. You've got a relatively more moderate Democrat. But two, do you know what Senate means? The word Senate refers to the Latin word senex, which is old. It means age. So you want that. That's, that's how the system is built. Now, the problem with Joe Biden is that He's never possessed all that much wisdom. He's never possessed that, that much prudence. He's probably wiser today than he was 50 years ago. But his view of the country is wrong. He's more corrupt than other politicians. And so that's the issue. But I, that doesn't mean that we all of a sudden need a young guy. If you replace Joe Biden with Donald Trump today, 97% of the problems in the country would immediately improve. Maybe even more than that. Maybe you could replace him with a young guy like Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis seems to be a very sharp guy. He's got a great head on his shoulders. But even to that point, DeSantis's campaign is not doing very well right now in the Republican primary. I, I think the expectations for Ron DeSantis were much higher. And right now, Trump is leading by a lot, which we'll get to in just one second. So I don't, I don't want to be too nice to Joe Biden here, but I want to call it like I see. You know, I don't want to just be some Republican Party hack. Joe Biden actually just said something very smart about Ukraine. There's this major push to admit Ukraine to NATO, which I think is absolutely insane. Joe Biden is pushing the brakes on that a little bit. I've spoken with Zelensky at length about this. And uh, one of the things I indicated is the United States would be ready to provide while the process was going on. And it's going to take a while while that process was going on, to provide security a la the security we provide for, you, for Israel, providing the weaponry, the need, the capacity to defend themselves if there is an agreement, if there is a ceasefire, if there is a peace agreement. And so I think we can work it out, and, but I think it's premature to say, to call for a vote, you know, in now, 
because I, there's other qualifications that need to be met, including democratization and some of those issues. Wait, wait, wait. I thought that Ukraine was a pillar of Western democracy. I thought that Vladimir Zelensky was the modern day Winston Churchill. He's the great defender of democracy. More American than the Americans, frankly. That's it. That's the big fight. Freedom versus tyranny. Ukraine versus, versus Russia. Democracy versus autocracy. Now you're telling me that Ukraine cannot be admitted to NATO right now because they need democratization? You saw that first part where Joe Biden, he says, look, you know, we're at war right now. Ukraine is at war. We can't, we're not going to admit them, obviously. That's the reason. If, if you admitted Ukraine to NATO today, it would instantly trigger Article 5. We'd be in a world war with Russia. We'd be in a nuclear war, almost certainly. Then you say, wait, it needs democratization. So, and he's right about that, by the way. Ukraine is an extremely corrupt country. And the BS that the libs have been telling us about how Ukraine is a pillar of democracy or whatever is obviously fake news. And Joe Biden just admitted that. He's made a wise observation that has undermined his political position. This happens a lot to Joe Biden, actually. Joe Biden will make really wise observations about crime, let's say. Don't forget, the the best accomplishment Joe Biden ever had in his political career was the 1994 crime bill, which got tougher on crime. But then that now undermines his political position because Joe Biden, as a politician in 2023, is pro-crime and he's anti-law enforcement. He does this a lot. So the the problem with Joe Biden is not that he doesn't have any wisdom. He's got more wisdom than most people in the Democrat party. The problem is that he's corrupt in an empty suit and he'll just lick his finger and put it in the air and figure out which way the wind blows. I think a lot of people, I don't know about 80 million, but a lot of people voted for Joe Biden. There were a lot of people in America in 2020 who did in fact consciously vote for Joe Biden, not after death like so many Democrat voters, but while they were alive, they voted for Joe Biden. And why? I think they voted for him because he was promising a return to normality. And they saw that the left had been ruthlessly attacking normality and Donald Trump, fairly or unfairly, was portrayed as opposing normality. And he's an eccentric kind of figure, even if you love the guy. And so they voted for Joe Biden for that purpose. But the problem is because Joe Biden's corrupt and because he's an empty suit, he didn't deliver on that normality, even if those might have been his instincts. Now, speaking of violence overseas, speaking of attacks on law and order and justice, London Mayor Sadiq Khan has finally spoken out about his city's growing crime problem. And here's what he said. He said, there's no place for crime in London, but we can't arrest ourselves out of the problem. From removing knives from our streets to providing young Londoners with meaningful and engaging activities, I am committed to being tough on crime and its complex causes. But he's obviously not committed to that because he's saying you can't arrest yourself out of the problem. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not, I don't have a PhD in criminology, okay? No, I don't have a PhD in psychology or anything like that. But I'll tell you, you can just arrest them. If you arrest the criminals, then they will stop stabbing and robbing people on the street because they'll be in prison. When they're in prison, they can't, they might still stab each other a little bit. You got to watch that too, but they won't be doing that to people on the street. If you want, if you want crime to go down, you need the arrests to go up. And then after you, the arrests go up, you got to prosecute them and put them in prison. If you have a crime problem, 
then what that means is you have an under-incarceration problem. And it's not just true in London, it's true in America too. And to hear the libs whine about our over-incarceration problem is obviously absurd as crime rates soar in America's cities. But it, it drives me even crazier when I hear people on the right it's a small group of squishy people on the right, but they'll, they'll talk about the over-incarceration problem because they think it'll buy them brownie points with the left or something. Or maybe they bought into some bizarre magical thinking whereby if you, if you legalize all sorts of disordered activities and destructive activities, and if you stop arresting people and enforcing the law, somehow people are going to be more inclined to follow the law, both the civil law and the, the natural law and the moral law. And that's obviously not the case. You, you can't. You can't arrest yourself out of the problem. You can arrest the criminals and that will solve your problem for you. But if even the mayor of London doesn't get that, if the president of the United States can't get these basic things, if we've got an all-out assault by the entire liberal establishment on all normality and all common sense, then you're going to have nonsensical statements such as that. Now, speaking of the UK, our friend Nigel Farage guy I really like, leader of Brexit. He gave that great speech at the European Parliament where he's got the Union Jack. He says, I came here some years ago. I said, Britain was going to leave the European Union. You all laughed at me. Well, who's laughing now? Nigel Farage, great cigar guy, great conservative leader. I saw him not that long ago at CPAC. Nigel is facing some real problems back in his own country. Namely, they won't let him have a bank account. I got a phone call a couple of months ago to say, we are closing your accounts. I asked why. No reason was given. I was told a letter would come which would explain everything. The letter came through and simply said, we are closing your accounts. We want to finish it all by a date uh, which is around about now. I didn't quite know what to make of it. I complained. Uh, I emailed the chairman. Uh, a lackey phoned me uh, to say that it was a commercial decision which I have to say, I don't believe for a single moment. So I thought, well, there we are. I'll have to go and find a different bank. I've been to six, uh, no, seven banks, actually. Um, asked them all, could I have a personal and a business account? And the answer has been no in every single case. Without a bank account, you effectively become a non-person. You don't actually exist. It's like the worst regimes of the mid-20th century, be they in Russia or Germany, you literally become a non-person. And you don't anymore, you did in the past, but you don't anymore actually have a right to be entitled to a bank account. You did in the past, but you don't now. Meaning it's not just the leftists who grow the big government who are coming for you and who are threatening your way of life. Sometimes it's even the deregulators who are ruining your way of life because in this case, Nigel's not being oppressed by his government. He's being oppressed by the free market. He's being oppressed by corporations. He's being oppressed by banks who are saying because you are politically controversial. By the way, how's he controversial? He's just a normal guy who said that Britain should be Britain and not have to tailor their entire society over to the whims of people in Germany and France. For saying that, for being in any way kind of conservative, Nigel doesn't get to have a bank account. And if you think it's just him, if you think it's just going on in the UK or it's just going on to a big political leader like Nigel Farage, you are mistaken. There is a major effort underway being pushed by big voices on the stage of the World Economic Forum to bring this kind of control and punishment to you, which we'll get to in a second. First though, how's your health care? Do you want to check out maybe Samaritan Ministries. 
Right now, go to SamaritanMinistries.org slash Knowles. How are you paying for your health care? How's it working out for you? If it's working out perfectly, great. Okay, cool. If not, listen closely because I have a solution for you, a biblical solution called Samaritan Ministries. Samaritan Ministries is a community of Christians paying one another's medical bills. It's affordable health care sharing, and because it's not insurance, there are no restrictive networks. Here's how it works. When a medical need arises, you choose the health care provider that is right for you and have a say in the treatment you receive. Send your medical bills to Samaritan Ministries, and they will notify fellow members to pray for you and send money directly to you to help you pay those bills. It could be more affordable than what you are paying now, and if it's the right fit, you can join anytime, even today. Check it out at SamaritanMinistries.org slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That is SamaritanMinistries.org slash Knowles. Okay, folks, time to put that Bud Light boycott money to good use. Lucky for you, we've come up with the cure to Bidenflation, and that is a mega sale. Right now, you can get up to 40, 40% off select items from Jeremy's Razors, products such as the Hair and Body Bundle. I used their shampoo just today. I use it almost every day. The Beard Kit, our Smooth Six Starter Set, and more. Don't miss out, because this sale will not last long. Go to jeremysrazors.com. Get that 40% off. jeremysrazors.com today. My favorite comment yesterday is from jkemp6791, not to be confused with jkemp6790 or any of the previous 6790 jkemps, who says, if protecting children from sex trafficking endangers your political agenda, that says a whole lot more about you than it does about some movie that you don't like. Yes. And a movie that they don't like, not because the acting is bad, the acting is superb, not because the production is bad, the production is extraordinarily high quality. It's because they don't like the story which is a true story, but it's a story that they are implicated in, in defending and directing attention away from. The libs are not only trying to take away Nigel Farage's bank account and ability to engage in the economy, they're coming after yours. Ezwar Prasad is a senior professor of international trade policy at Cornell, Ivy League University, senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, major center-left liberal think tank, formerly worked as the chief of the International Monetary Fund's Financial Studies Division. Here he is on stage at the World Economic Forum panel in China uh, discussing how they're going to control your money. The one final note I will uh, make is that if you think about the benefits of digital money, there are huge potential gains. It's not just about uh, digital forms of physical currency. You can have programmability, you know, um, units of central bank currency with expiry dates. You could have, as I argue in my book, a potentially better, and yeah, some people might see it, or a darker world where the government decides that units of central bank money can be used to purchase some things, but not other things that it deems less desirable, like, say, ammunition or drugs or pornography or something of the sort. And that is very powerful in terms of the use of a CBDC. So this is coming. This is coming here soon. And if you're like me, if you're not just an arch-hardcore libertarian, if you're a little more conservative, then you'll listen to this and you'll say, well, you know what? In principle... I don't think that money should be permitted to be used for certain purchases. And in fact, our law today reflects that. You're, you're not allowed to go purchase drugs, at least in normal cities. You're not allowed, at least according to some laws that are no longer really enforced, you're not allowed to go purchase pornography in certain places. That's always been the case in American history, and that's good. The mechanism for control was a little bit weaker and a little bit less subject to caprice. But then you heard that, that third thing they mentioned there. Porn? Yeah, I don't think you should be able to buy porn. 
Drugs? Yeah, I don't think you should be able to buy illicit drugs, obviously. Ammunition? Well, hold on a second. We have a Second Amendment in this country. We have more guns in this country than people. We have a natural right to self-defense. You're telling me now? <laughs> you're, already, you're broadcasting this. Before you even get the digital currency, you're, you're telegraphing that you will use this new technology to stop us not from engaging in vice, which in principle I have no problem with, but to stop us from engaging in virtue, to stop us from exercising our natural rights, which derive from the natural law. Coming here soon, folks, unless we stop it. As a matter of prudence, even if you're not opposed to a digital currency as a matter of technology or political morality, prudentially, practically speaking, this will be used against conservatives. They're going to do exactly what they're doing to Nigel to us. So who's going to lead the fight back? If you look at the numbers today, it's Trump. It's Trump. Trump is leading in all the polls by a lot, including in Florida now. This is a really tough number for Ron DeSantis. This is from Florida Atlantic University, FAU poll. Trump is up 20 points on DeSantis in Florida. In Florida. Trump's at 50%, DeSantis 30, Vivek 4%, Tim Scott 3%. Chris Christie, the Chris Assange, not looking as great as it once did, 2%. It's down there with Asa Hutchinson, Pence 2%, Haley 1%. Even when you just put DeSantis and Trump against one another head to head, so you say, okay, well, you don't want the field to, to water down DeSantis' support. What's it look like when they're up against each other head to head? Trump's numbers go up, actually, 54% to 37%. So it's, his numbers go up ob- objectively, 54 versus 50, but then he's, he still maintains a 17-point lead over DeSantis. De- Ron DeSantis needs a radical reset of his campaign. It's, there's no other way to put it. DeSantis just announced that he wasn't going to speak at TPUSA, which in a short-term way is probably smart because TPUSA has a strong relationship with Donald Trump. I bet there are a lot of people at TPUSA who would be totally open to a DeSantis nomination. Maybe most of them. I don't know. I mean, I think these are, this is the largest gathering of young conservatives in the country. Charlie Kirk puts on these huge gatherings of young conservative students, so they might be open to Ron DeSantis. But but the DeSantis campaign might be thinking, okay, well, if I go there and then I get booed on stage, that's going to look really bad for me. And I guess it would look bad. But also, if you can't win over those guys, if you can't win over young Americans, which is the group that should be most likely to embrace DeSantis over Trump, And if you can't win over TPUSA, which is more conservative than the establishment GOP groups, and if you can't win over Trump voters, then you can't be the nominee. DeSantis' campaign requires him to win over a large number of Trump voters. DeSantis is not running in the Chris Christie lane. He's not running in the Tim Scott lane, the Nikki Haley lane, the Mike Pence lane. He's running in the Trump lane. He's running in the conservative, a little bit more populist, a little bit more shaking things up kind of lane, which means you got to take Trump's voters. And if you can't take Trump's voters, then you should drop out of the race. But it's too late for DeSantis to drop out of the race. Trump is as vindictive as he gets when it comes to politics. DeSantis has been in this too long. The die is cast. So He's got to run this thing to win it. Right now, they are not running it to win it. Right now, they are running a very confused strategy that is playing not to lose. And if you play not to lose long enough, maybe you'd be the second loser or the the number one loser, meaning the number two guy in the race. But that in a buck 50 will get you a cup of coffee. That is is a, a very foolish campaign strategy. 
and things are not improving for DeSantis. So they've got to make some drastic changes soon if they want to keep up. There's also a, a very rare legislative misstep for DeSantis. I'm giving some out of the box, out of left field, unpopular opinions today. So I'm going to keep them coming. Localities should be allowed to ban pit bulls. Pit bulls commit all the dog attacks, pretty much, and it's the breed. It's not the individual dogs. It's the breed. Dogs are not capable of reason. The breed is extremely dangerous. It's not the dog's fault, but it's just the way they're built, and they maul little toddlers, and localities are entirely within their rights to say that they don't want to have pit bulls there. So DeSantis and the Florida legislators, the Republicans, just passed a law prohibiting localities from banning pit bulls. Localities in Florida had been banning pit bulls for a very long time. And then for no reason whatsoever, for no political benefit at all, (laughs) Ron DeSantis was in the fight of his life for president and the Florida GOP go in and they say, no, you need to let pit bulls come into your community and eat your toddlers. What the hell is going on with the DeSantis campaign? This guy started out so strong. He's been an excellent governor. He's extremely intelligent. He's very capable. And he's just getting bad advice right now. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Goodness gracious. Also, speaking of bad advice, before we get into uh, this Tuesday member block, Budweiser keeps just taking bad advice. Budweiser is trying to dig itself out of this huge brand collapse. The brand collapse brought on by Bud Light sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney and Transheiser Bush totally embracing the rainbow flag. So they're trying to dig themselves out and they try to dig themselves out by, by doubling down, by portraying their customers as fratty, stupid, rube, idiot hicks, by making a commercial with horses. By Now they're doing a commercial with Ken Griffey Jr., Ken Griffey Jr. is a great baseball player, especially when I was a kid. He was was one of the biggest players in the MLB. I love Ken Griffey Jr. That's great. It's not enough, guys. This is is not good for Budweiser. This is bad for Ken Griffey Jr. This this doesn't make me more likely to buy a Bud. I am 0% more likely to buy a Budweiser ever again after this ad. I'm just less likely to have affection for Ken Griffey Jr., Okay. This isn't working. There's one way for Budweiser to fix this. Apologize. Say you oppose transgenderism. Say you don't want to trans the kids and you oppose the, the crazy drag shows that mock women and Dylan Mulvaney's performed mental illness. And you oppose all of that and you support normality. Just say, hey, we're Budweiser. We are the most normal beer in America. We had a little bit of a freak out over there. We're, we're normal again. We like normal things. Drink us and be normal. And people might go back to Budweiser, or it might be too late. Okay, it's Trans Tuesday, where you know we're not allowed to talk about this stuff on big tech. So, other than on Twitter, Twitter lets us talk about this. So, that means I'm not going to censor what I'm saying. I'm not going to censor this show at all. But that means that you're going to have to, if you want the whole show, you got to go to Daily Wire Plus. You got to go to Twitter, M. Knowles Show. You got to go to the RSS feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And you got to go to the member block. Today is Trans Tuesday, baby. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member and use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-A-S at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.